I'm Arlen Hamilton, and this is Your First Million. I'm a venture capitalist. I started my fund Backstage Capital from the ground up while I was on food stamps. I have now invested in more than 100 companies led by women, people of color, and LGBT founders. After having raised more than $10 million, people often ask me how I did it. I created this podcast so I could tell you my story and so that together we could go on a journey and speak with some of the most successful people in the world from all backgrounds and walks of life to learn how they got their first million. And who knows, maybe I'll reach my first million in personal capital while I'm recording this series. There's only one way to find out. Let's go. This episode is brought to you by me, Arlen, the host. And I'm going to use this time to promote my book, It's About Damn Time, which is now available in pre-order. It comes out May 5th, 2020. You can order it at itsaboutdamntime.com. That's I-T-S aboutdamntime.com. Thanks. Welcome back to your first million. It's Arlen. I've missed you all. I feel like it's been uh, more time than it has because this week has been just so, so, so eventful. In In a good way, personally, and crazy way across the country and the world. And I'm going to take a little break, at least a day, to kind of catch my breath and practice what I preach about self-care because I feel like I've given my all this week and left it all on the field. And now I'm just going to go put on the comfy pants, watch some more monk, and do what I do. Just chill. See, this week... um. Well, there's just so much that happened. I can't even give a rundown of it, but I was in Los Angeles all week. I was at home, working out of my home office, got to see most of my backstage team, the team that works with me on my fund, and we had great, great meetings and and really good collaboration, I guess is a good way of saying it, with each other and with some other teams, and I think we got a lot done for what's going to play out this year. I get to see them maybe once every month or two as a team, and some of them I get to see more often than others. Chacho, who was on the last episode, who is my apprentice and is an associate at Backstage, who helps with the uh, deal flow, which helps make investments. Uh, I see him a lot because he's on the road with me a lot when I go speak and things like that. But if you missed that last episode of Chacho doing his first kind of keynote speech, you got to check it out. It's so great. It's like really caught on. It's one of our uh, one of our like most listened to episodes out the gate. So we kind of measure things and how many listens it gets first day, first week, first six weeks. His did really well, performed really well. So you all are listening. You all care about that kind of thing. We'll continue to do that kind of thing. This episode, let me tell you, um, I got to interview a new friend. We met more recently in the last year or two, haven't had a lot of time to spend together, just kind of giving each other kudos from afar and keeping up with each other's moves. It was so great to sit down and talk to Journey Smollett Bell, who you probably know um, from some TV show or some movie for the past, I want to say, 25 years. She started as a child actress and has just made some really interesting 
creative choices. And she is in the new movie Birds of Prey that came out today. I'm recording this on Friday. It came out today. You'll hear this this weekend. Let me know if you saw it. Let me know what you think. I'm just trying to think about my schedule allow, but I'm going to try to see it in the next couple of weeks. But uh, I hear it's already doing really well. And like financially at the box office, I also hear a lot of hardcore DC fans are loving it. And Journey's role in particular is killing it. So she plays, uh, I forgot what she, <laughs> I forgot the name of the character she plays, but she says it in this interview. And, you know, she's representing, it's uh, representing women of color, uh, which I think this vi- this movie is is chock full of, which I think is awesome. And as you'll as you'll hear, Journey Journey takes us on a journey. Yes, I said it. Um, she takes us on a journey. She's had a really interesting life and incredibly grounded through it all. So I cannot wait for you all to hear this. I feel like we're getting we're getting back into the stride of things. You know, the the, the holidays came and went. The the new year started. We had some really amazing interviews. If you've missed any of them, check out Jamila Jamil. Check out Ellen Pompeo. So many business venture capital founder entrepreneur minds that we've um, interviewed over the past. I don't know how many six, seven, eight months since starting your first million. But um, this is a great time to go back and check out some older episodes. How I would do it if I were just starting out listening or if I missed a lot of episodes is every time I listen to a new episode, I'll listen to one episode I've never heard before. So it doesn't have to be super overwhelming if you don't have the time, but you can still kind of catch up eventually. Or if you're going on a road trip, going on a flight, you're cleaning around the house, you're you're relaxing, you're trying to get that knowledge, you're, you're, you're studying, you're using your first million like I used to use podcasts and it's like you're homeschooling and you're taking notes with each episode, which a lot of you tell me you do. You might want to binge if you're doing any of that. You might want to binge four or five, six episodes in a row and just start to finish over the next few weeks. You know, there's different tactics, but there's something for everybody for sure. Send this out to your friends. Pass it on. If you hear an episode that you think a friend of yours or a family member of yours has to hear, pass it on to them. Because a lot of times people don't really even know how to how to get on to podcasts, how to listen to podcasts, how to find it on their phone, online, whatever. And just by sending somebody a link, you've already just kind of given them half the motivation to even listen. Keep sending in that feedback to me. It means the world to me to, to hear from you all. And it has been uh, a joy. So without further ado, let's listen in as I talk to Journey Smollett Bell. My name is Journey Smollett and I am an actor, yes. activist, mother, lots of things, I guess. Yes. <laughs> wow. What do you identify as first? Um, a, a woman. Oh, okay. Okay. That's <laughs> a fair enough. A black woman, a yes. woman of color. And so you, how many years have you, you've been in this business of television and film? Mm-hmm. Most of your life, if not all of your life, how many years is that? I've been behind the, no, in front of the camera, not behind. I've yeah. been in front of the camera since I was 10 months old. 
10 months old. Because I let me tell you, the first memory I have of seeing you on TV was you were Michelle Tanner's yeah. little friend. It's wild to me that people still remember oh, that. Oh, I remember it. Because you, you know what part of it is, is that it was representation. I mean, right. I was a little black girl. You were a little yeah, black girl. Right. You know, I was older than you. I still am. But, you know, you had this ethnicist. What's the word? Ethnicity. That's the word. Yep. You had that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, no, it and, and it's on it's, this very white show. Right. And the character was not was written as a little white girl. And I don't know why they had me audition. I was four years old, mind you. You yeah. know, so for me... I wasn't aware of the impact. I still, to this day, get people who come up to me and tell me similar stories about that, of like how much that character meant to them. But I I think it's what you said. You hit it on the nail and that um, representation matters. And in art, we've been so underrepresented for so long. And you kind of hang on to anything that you get, mm-hmm. any drop that you're fed, you hang on to it. Mm-hmm. And seeing yourself reflected on screen is really important. I think we underestimate how important it is. And it is. And you've done like the debaters and all of these things that have that kind of feel to it. But before we even talk about that, it's, it's very meta. So I don't know how if we'll be able to get into it. But how do you know that? How do you stay grounded in that way? to understand how important representation is when from the moment you could speak, you had cameras in your faces, Mm. you had, that was an occupation that was bringing money into the family along with your brothers and sisters. I guess that, that helped because it was a family affair. Did your parents just kind of really instill in you, you know, have you reading, have you understanding the current events? Listen, my, I have to, it all goes back to my mother. Mm -hmm. My mother raised six kids And she is the strongest woman I know, African-American woman from New Orleans, Mm -hmm. born in Galveston, Texas. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And when I tell you, look, we grew up poor. We grew up broke. And we weren't really, I mean, yes, all my siblings worked at a point, but we weren't child stars, quote unquote. We weren't in every single thing. My mom was very selective and she'd rather, you know, just us kind of be broke instead of just kind of selling her children. She really wasn't about that. The way we got into the business was because my older siblings used to watch the Cosby show mm-hmm. and saw the Huxable kids and wanted to be like the Huxable kids. And my mother kept saying no to them. But then they had friends who were actually doing it in New York as well. Okay. Because um, where were y'all living? Where were you brought we, I was up? born in New York. Okay. Queens, Elmhurst. Okay. So every time she'd walk down the street, you know, not every time, but often she would get from casting directors or people saying, your kids are so cute. You got to put them in the business. You can make a lot of money. And at the time, my dad was working, I think, like two, three jobs. And um, she researched it as much as she could and got us an agent. And my older three older siblings got in it first. And then I just by chance, I was a baby, you know, it was literally like a a photographer just asked her if she could put me in the shot one time when my older siblings were on set. But, yeah, I mean, I definitely grew up knowing the importance of earning a living, the importance of contributing to the whole pot. That's kind of the philosophy my mom had is like, it's one big pot. You take care of your family first, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it was also, though, kind of a habit. I mean, a kind of a hobby. You know, it wasn't like a profession for me when I was a kid. It wasn't like I grew up 
with a stage mom who was cracking the whip, right, and pressuring that happens, me. Right, you saw, you must have oh, seen something like I've had. I I saw it all the time. It's a very tough industry to be in, and then to put your child in it yeah. is incredibly tough too, because it's very easy to make the dollar your slave. Mm-hmm. And I've seen so many parents stop doing their job as a parent. And the first job that you were supposed to do as a parent is to protect your child. And I've seen so many parents stop protecting their children because the money was right. Yeah. And we hear those stories as outsiders, people mm-hmm. looking in. We hear the stories of and from the children themselves eventually. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it sounds like your parents had a plan of this is going to work until it, you know, it works a cert- to a certain degree, but it's not us. It's not, doesn't define who we Absolutely. are. That's what it sounds like. Absolutely. And there are a number of projects I could list off that my mother turned down or times I was offered so much money to do a TV show or something, mm-hmm. but would have been incredibly unhappy or would have been in an unsafe environment or something like that. Yeah. And I have to give her credit for that, mm-hmm. for making those hard choices. So that's also how you were able to say grounded enough to understand that maybe not everybody had things sort of like someone's getting you drinks and getting you this and doing your makeup and doing this. Oh, the yeah. Other, other kids. Oh, no, I still kids. was doing chores when yeah. I was coming home. I mean, honestly, from the time I was 11 years old, um, my parents separated and my parents, for some reason, I was really good at math. They decided after the separation that I would be the one to do the budgeting and the booking, at what the bookkeeping age? at 11. What? I started doing <laughs> it for second. my whole family. The, something has changed here. <laughs> I know. You're doing I know. Your bookkeeping at 11. I, I was the bookkeeper for, for the family wow. from the time I was 11 on. Wow. And my older siblings were, JoJo was in college. Jazz was off like modeling. Yeah. And Jussie sucked at math. So I was the next was in you? line <laughs> to do it. That's amazing. And so I was talking to bill collectors mm-hmm. and creditors. I, I well, we, was, we had that in common. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely from a young age, my mother taught me the importance of a dollar. And I just learned how like, wow, there's six people, six kids in this house. It takes a lot of money to make it happen, run this household. And right now we, we have this amount to work with and what are we going to do? You know? And, and so I grew up with a really unconventional outlook on capitalism, on earning a living, on appreciating the value of what you earn. Now, I get to see you in, in different lights. So I get to see you behind the scenes making moves. Mm-hmm. So you are an actress. People know you from movies. They know your family. This little movie that's coming out, this yeah, little independent little thing. <laughs> thing that's coming out today, <laughs> yes. Birds of Prey, you mm-hmm. are now officially a a comic book uh, hero or villain. I don't know. On, on she, she's, she is for sure a reluctant hero, but okay. yes, yes. Okay. But I also get to see you making moves behind the scenes. You're mm-hmm. very savvy mm-hmm. and you're working on different projects. What is that? Is that you kind of setting yourself and your family up for the rest of your lives? What, what's the thought process? It's a number of things. Um, yes, you know, for sure. As a woman of color, this industry is incredibly challenging to navigate. Most times, I mean, even now, I'm, the scripts I'm reading, most of them are to play the girlfriend or play the wife of the the male actor, right? And so they get to do all the fun. They're centered and you're kind of like in their universe, but it's their universe. And it's maddening to me. And it's 
been something I've fought against my entire career. It's why I, my resume is not 50 pages long, even though I've been doing this for years. There'll be years I don't work and years I do just because there just hasn't been a, a crazy amount of stuff I've been passionate about. So now I find myself incredibly inspired by other women who I look to and see that are generating stuff, you know, and feel incredibly motivated to do that myself. You know, I think we're in a time in the industry where so many of us are, we've stopped asking for a seat at the table and mm-hmm. we're just deciding that we're going to build our own damn table, mm-hmm. you know, and we have the resources to do it. We have the connections. We have the network. So why not do it? I mean, they are just not going to tell our stories unless we tell them. Yeah. And I've been fortunate recently that past few years, the projects I've been working on, you know, Underground with Misha Green created that a brilliant woman of color. I'm doing her latest project, Lovecraft Country, which comes out in this fall, which is going to be bananas. Mm, what kind um, of movie is that? It's a TV show for oh, HBO show. that J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele are producing. And it's based on a book by Matt Ruff. And it's a mixed genre of, um, you know, social thriller, sci-fi set in 1955, Jim Crow America. And it's wild and it's unlike anything that's ever been on television is going to blow the roof off. When is that coming um, out? It's supposed to come out this fall. She's wow. still editing it. We just wrapped. So between that and then, you know, I'm incredibly spoiled right now. Birds of Prey, it's a it's a film directed by a woman of color, written by a woman of color. Let's say the name. Birds of Prey. No, the name oh, of the, the director. Name. Kathy Yan mm-hmm. um, is our director. Christina Hodgson is our writer. Margot Robbie produced it, mm-hmm. stars in it. Sue Kroll is another female producer on it. It's the first all-girl gang action comic book movie that's R-rated, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and so coming off these projects, I'm just spoiled and and feel inspired to continue to be a part of the movement that is expanding the gaze. You know, for so long, we've told a very limited gaze in the narrative. We've told the heterosexual white male gaze. And I think so many of us are hungry to see the world reflected. Like you said in the beginning, representation matters and the bounds of power is shifting and it's exciting. It's mm-hmm. really exciting. Yeah, it's definitely why I started backstage, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's about doing what you're working on and just a different, different lane. Is there something, anything outside of acting and producing and, and working within this industry that you've always wanted to do or would do? So outside of this industry? Well, yeah. I mean, if you think of something that is in the industry, but I wouldn't have thought of. Well, I definitely want to be behind the camera. I definitely eventually see myself directing and writing um, and producing, you know, uh, building my own production company. Those are for sure things I'm working on. You have to build those things yourself in order for them to happen or do those types of opportunities come to you? No, you got to build it. You gotta you, build um, it. I mean, I don't know about other people. I know I have to build yeah. it. So um, what, do you, what do you say to people who are listening, who are working that nine to five or they're at a company and, you know, looking for thinking about a raise or getting an upgrade? Is it going to come to them? I can't speak to the every person. I can only speak to my experience. Things don't just come to me. I, I mean, I work very hard and everything that I have been a part of. Yes, it's a combination of a few things. 
blessings for sure, because I can't take credit. You still got to leave room for God to walk in the room, but I've had to earn it. To this day, I still have to earn it. With Birds of Prey, they put me through it, man. I mean, when I tell you the amount of auditions I had to go on for that project, the screen test. How'd you get it? What was the thing that got it for you? Well, at first they wouldn't let me audition for it. Why? um, Because I was shooting Lovecraft. I was shooting the pilot for Lovecraft Mm. and the time in which the series was supposed to go was going to initially conflict with the shooting schedule of Birds of Prey. And the studio didn't want to take a chance on falling in love with anyone that wasn't available, understandably. And so Misha Green, the creator of Lovecraft, one day was just talking to me and she said, aren't they auditioning for Harley's like girl gang action movie? And I said, yes, but the studio doesn't want to let me audition for it. Because of Lovecraft, Misha. Yeah. And she was like, there's a chance that I have to go and just write all of these scripts. That, and so we wouldn't, mm. we're probably going to push the schedule. And she said, bitch, you should just go for it. <laughs> did she said that? I hope she did. Those were the words. So, she said, bitch, just go for it. Yes. Okay. Um, it's a new t-shirt. Yes. Bitch, go for it. <laughs> That's great. So that was, that was somebody amplifying and and championing you absolutely that's that's the blessing of leaving room for the surprise you know leaving room for the unexpected and i wasn't expecting the schedule to switch for lovecraft so my manager then went back to the casting director and told him the showrunner said she could go for it so i put myself on tape my brother put myself put me on tape Mm -hmm. in chicago and they liked it i came back to la met with kathy read for her got past her then had to read with Margo and do a chemistry test, mm-hmm. got past that. And they said, OK, come and read for D.C. And we're going to mix and match you with all the possible different actors for all the other characters. Sure. sure. I've heard this. That was the way The Office got put together. Yeah. Not that these are any, similar in any way. Well, but. when you have such an ensemble, mm-hmm. the chemistry is really important. And so Margo was in the room and she read with all the different actresses for every character and they mix and match us. I ended up doing this one scene probably over 32 times is Mm. what I initially calculated and left so exhausted, left Warner Brothers just being like, man, forget these people. Like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Like, this is ridiculous, you know. But you don't feel that way now, DC. Hell no. (laughs) Hell no. I'm living the dream. Tell me this. I have been watching your Instagram stories. Ah! You have been just living for the past month, you say, since you wrapped. When I when I last saw you, you were just like, yeah, tonight I'm going to South America <laughs> for, for Birds of Prey Press. Tell me, tell me a little yeah. bit about that. It's been wild. I've never been a part of a world tour like this, yeah. promoting a film and traveling across the world. Well, what countries have you been to? We went to Brazil initially. Um, the Comic-Con there in December was wild. I mean, there were thousands of people, like 4,000 people in the audience watching the panel that we did. I have never felt that amount of energy in one room mm. directed towards me in my life. For a little bit, I felt like Beyonce. Uh-huh. I mean, just for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, this must be what... Rihanna and Beyonce feel. (laughs) So that was unlike anything I've experienced. Then we traveled to uh, Mexico City. Again, amazing enthusiasm from the fans waiting everywhere we went. And I mean, they had the little Funko dolls of my character already. And that was wild. Then we went to London and had the world premiere there. Same thing. Just an amazing Mm -hmm. reception. And went to New York. Took over Times Square. I mean... 
talk about madness. Talk mm-hmm. about mayhem. Mm-hmm. The birds took over Times Square. And I, I'm just looking around and seeing us on the jumbotrons and seeing this massive billboard of myself and the whole cast. And I mean, living the dream. Great. And that just happened this week. That part, that that part was Times on Tuesday. Square was just, just this week. So you're, yeah. you're coming and, you, and then you come here. <laughs> We're in LA. You come to my home office to yes. do this. Today is the day this movie comes out yeah. officially uh-huh. all over the states. Yeah. What is today like for you? Like just oh, what is man. the feeling so, like and what is the actual process like? So it's surreal. It's I definitely had a moment last night where I have decided not to read any of the reviews. Mm-hmm. I just don't do that mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But my reps keep calling me being like, it's certified fresh at yeah, 90% yeah, yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. The reviews are amazing. And then yeah. I, so I, I was blown away by that. And then I did go online and checked my Twitter feed and just saw all the people who had seen like the midnight showings yeah. last night and just blown away by the response. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing when I, there wasn't that much enthusiasm when I was initially cast. Mm-hmm. I will say that. There was a lot of skepticism mm-hmm. about this is such a beloved character. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was aware that I had to just work my butt off and do my research and read all the comics and understand what it is about Black Canary that people love so much. And she's been, she was written over 70 years ago. She's one of the most beloved, yeah. baddest street fighter uh, superheroes in the DC universe. And so I, I had to get it right, you yeah. know, and I definitely wasn't aware of the responsibility that I had to her mm. to deliver. And so now to see that people are seeing the film and they are loving Black Canary, it's the best feeling. It's the best feeling. That's great. And I hope you have a, just an amazing day, rest of your weekend. Thank this you. is the weekend right now. This is happening. We're dropping this as it's happening, mm-hmm. uh, if someone is on the fence about going to see and you can convince them just by your character alone, well, what can you tell them is the reason? Someone who maybe doesn't even know DC like me. Right. Why right. are they going to see this movie? Oh, listen, this movie, I mean, it's a fun ride. I mean, that's the thing. I, I think it's so unexpected. It's loud. It's bold. It's audacious. It's a different side of Gotham than what we've seen before. It's very colorful. It was very important to Kathy and Margot and all of the filmmakers to make this a very colorful Gotham. And so it's reflected in the very inclusive casting. Mm. It's reflected in the cinematography. I think it's an exciting time for DC because they're pulling from all these classic characters and bringing them to screen for the first time. But also it's just good entertainment, man. You know, it's violent and vicious and it's it's funny. It's loud and yet there's also a real there's real heart to it you know and that's one thing I love so much about Black Canary Dinah Lance she's all heart and in the comics that's what you love about her is she's got these real um, complex combinations of being incredibly vulnerable and leading with compassion for people but being vicious Hmm. and being so fierce and being able to fight with the best of them Hmm. and It's one of the things I love so much about her. And when we meet her in the film, she isn't yet willing to own her power. And she's very much so this reluctant hero. She's the most powerful person in the room because she's a metahuman. And she's got this superpower that she's keeping secret. Uh Uh-oh. Is that a spoiler? No, it's not. They show the canary cry in the trailer. Oh. People know she does it. Well, that sounds interesting. <laughs> I think I might have to check that out. You got to check it out. Yeah. I think you'll have a lot of fun. And also, I think 
you know, we just haven't seen a film like this before. It looks so colorful and I think of like cotton candy and, you know, it's, it's just fun. It's a beautiful spectacle. It that's is. what it looks like to it's me. It's a spectacle. And, yeah. and, and I think that's what audiences are responding to, you yeah. know, just in reading the feedback so far. It's a good time. Awesome. You know? awesome. It's a good time. We're going to wrap up and I just want to give you a moment. If you, if there's anything you want to say to our audience that is mostly women of color, a lot of them reach out and speak to me just about resilience and bouncing back and hope and all of that. And and I would imagine, you know, I've, I've heard you speak, so I know that you, 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 you talk on that. Some, is there anything that you want to make sure that they take with them? You know, listen, this has been a, a, a wild ride for me the past year plus, and it's been like crazy highs and crazy lows. And I think that's just life. With Canary, I mean, professionally, I've just had honestly probably the greatest year of my life. Mm -hmm. um, but it also comes with a lot of challenges, a lot of obstacles to overcome. And in my trailer, I had a, a stick it note on the on the mirror that I would one of the things I would remind myself and uh, meditate on for Canary. And oddly enough, applied to me, too. It was it's an Alice Walker quote. And she says the most common way people give their power away is by thinking they don't have any. Mm. And that's one of the struggles of Black Canary in the film is finding her voice and finding the strength to own her true self and not hide it. And I think one of the most important things we can do is just use our voice. Mm. Learn when to say no. Learn when to say yes. Learn when to say, you know what, tonight I just need to take a bath or I need to journal or I need to do something for me and take care of myself. It's a constant lesson I'm learning and relearning and shifting mm -hmm. and having to apply. And in my womanhood, feel that I have it, I have it conquered in one minute and then the next feel I don't. Um but owning our power is the most valuable gift we can give to ourselves. You know, Shonda Rhimes says it to me all the time. She says how frustrated she is all the time when she sees a woman not own her power. Yeah. You know, we yeah. are so powerful as a species. And oftentimes we do the work for the world. We do their work in oppressing ourselves just by you know, thinking we don't have any power. We do that for them. We they don't do even have to them. lift a finger to they put us down. Have, I mean, truly, yeah, you that's know. Right. That's right. Um, it's not the oppressor. I mean, it's our own silence. We end up internalizing our very own op oppression. And um, it's a constant struggle. And I honestly, I can speak to it as a woman of color, just not internalizing that oppression. The, the messages were sent through the media. We're trained at a very young age to just feel inferior. Mm. And the very fact that we have to have a standard this standard that we work, we have to work against. It's unfortunate, but it is the task we've been given mm -hmm. and it's in our DNA to, to um, overcome that. And so whenever I can, I, I try to ask myself, well, what did I do today to shrink myself and how can I not do that again? Mm. Okay. That's where we leave it. Cause that's, that's food for thought for everybody. No matter what your background is, that's food for thought. I agree. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for thank you for having me. Stopping you by on are your day. just phenomenal. I mean, thank your you. story is so incredible. I can't wait to read your book. Ooh. It is about damn time. Okay, <laughs> it's our time. Yeah. You know why? Because time is up. Uh -oh. <laughs> I want everybody else. That's my, it's about damn time. That's my commercial for it's about damn time by <laughs> Journey Smart. <laughs> thank you for having All right. me. Thank you so much. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Arlen. Thanks for listening to this episode. So I would love to keep up with you online. You can find me at Arlen was here on Instagram and on Twitter. That's A-R-L-A-N was here. I cannot wait to continue this conversation with you. You can also pre-order my first book. It's called It's About Damn Time. You can pre-order it at your local indie bookstore. Please do that. Feel free. And online where books are sold, where, where, where great books are sold, if you want to go to a specific link, you can go to itsaboutdamntime.com. That's itsaboutdamntime.com.